So the thing you said to me the other day in the Discord really got me thinking a lot, where you said, um, how do you feel about the fact that a lot of the GG1 games come down to who gets the last activation, right? Yeah. And I think it's a pretty good point, um, because that has been a lot of the case with our closest games. It's always just been whoever gets the last activation. But I was wondering, uh, I think it would be interesting to sort of like qualify what are all the because every game has these built in right you know uh like i don't know soccer you play an extra round and then you play a shootout and then you know uh, if you tie like that you do another shootout and then you flip a coin or something like every game has those like tiebreakers built in and uh i think if we like quantify the tiebreakers for a win the game is as close as possible then um I think that might lead to something interesting in talking about, well, how can you cheese the tiebreakers? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because I always like to think about, I always think about how do I beat people? You know, how do you win the finals? That's, that's what I care about. Not like how I stomp round one. And I think if we think about the tiebreakers, you know, assuming that you, the person you're going to play in the finals is going to be equally skilled that we could, um, Maybe find some interesting little uh, nuggets. What do you think about that? Yeah. True, sure, man. Sure. So, um, so let's just start naming them, I think. So the first one is just last activation of turn five, and that's hugely important, right? Yeah. It's like how you're scoring or denying someone from scoring. Yeah, and it's... You know, and they can't do anything because it's the last activation. Yeah. There, yeah. There's you get the, you get the last action in the the very end of the game, which is hugely big in GG one because of all the schemes are in the pool. Um, like it was it was pretty important for GG zero strats, like uh, turf four. It was important for the corrupted idols. It was super important for, but less so for the schemes. But now I feel in GG one the schemes are very. It's very important to get that last activation turn five. Because the scheme, yeah, yeah, you basically not, not can't. Really the strat. score. yeah, the strats are not. It's pretty interesting because the strats uh, you can uh, score them first activation turn five now. A lot of cases like uh, symbols and uh, recover evidence. Mm-hmm. You you can just sort of guarantee your point first thing, and that's pretty sick. Yeah, everything but ley lines, right? Well, yeah. I guess. Public enemy, they could. It's at the end of your turn, so they could kill your guy. But that's even, true. Even still, yeah. If you if you kill if you kill, you know, if it's just two models fighting on a flank, you win initiative and you you get that kill. You're probably not gonna get any rebuttal. So I, I do yeah. think relatively to GG zero, it is is less important for the strats. But I feel like it's majorly important for the schemes because the schemes get a lot harder, and I feel like. In every pool, you have to pick one where the last activation is hugely important. Like you have to pick hidden martyrs, or where you have to like go engage a higher cost model with your second guy, or you have to pick catch and release, where you have to be unengaged with your named model, right? Or you have to be engaged, or whatever. Yeah, yeah take take prisoner. You have to engage them. If if they have last activation, they just disengage GG. Um, so I think that's. Definitely one um, of the points. 
what else do you think are sort of like tiebreaker points? Tiebreaker points? Well, uh, the opposite end of last activation is um, the turn five initiative flip, right? Because yeah. that often determines who gets the last activation. Yeah. So, and, and, and again, the goal here is to sort of think about ways that we could eventually cheese this. So I think a way to cheese the turn five last activation is also to get that turn five initiative mm-hmm. because that's also a point where the game could sort of swing in a really close game. Yes. I guess what else? Isn't it uh, like killing a model that hasn't activated yet? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, definitely, especially on turn five, because that's how you get activation control. Yeah. You can, you can, you can regain it if you, if you didn't win. I often see people um, on turn five will, like you activate a, a big beater and you kill something and then that uh, a person will go and kill that big beater because they've been working to get it so low this whole time, but it's already activated. It's already turned five. If you just kill that rat or something, you know what yeah, I mean? Once, unless it's gonna, killing it's going to score you a point on turn five after it's activated, it's basically dead. Yeah. And that's, that's something I've been thinking about a lot uh, with this game is just how much the timer of five turns really matters as opposed to other uh, war games. Because you really are on a clock with every model's activation. You, you, you only get so much AP in the game. And if your strategy is slow, it, it's like not even a strategy. You know what I mean? If you don't do something fast, it's like, why even bother because you're, you're on such a clock with the fifth turn. So one other thing I've been thinking is, uh, well, hmm, I asked this question to you, which turn other than turn five, which other turns do you think the initiative is like the most important? Um, depends on the matchup, but I would say turn two or three and yeah. how aggressive or controlly the crews are for sure right i mean if you're really aggressive it's probably turn two yeah and if you're more controlled it's probably turn three mm-hmm. like if, if you, i'm playing pandora like i play last game probably turn three or maybe even turn four it's like really important I yeah going say. first killing an activation yeah getting all your buffs out could be brutal with certain masters mm-hmm. um and that's like, at the heart of it, that's like, that, those are like tiebreaker moments, right? Because um, in a theoretical sense, you're not, uh, it's just a coin flip, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously pass tokens and pluses to initiative and stuff like that matter. And that's the way to cheese it. But uh, I think when the games are really close, those flips are really important. Um, yeah, for sure. I also think... Um, uh, where, so I've said this for a while, is that if if we're in a perfectly even match, like if I'm playing the clone of myself um, in a matchup that's exactly 50-50, um, the thing that depicts who wins is where the jokers pop up, uh, which I actually really like about this game. I, I, I know uh, 
I know that jokers are kind of controversial because they're really swingy, but I think what is the most important skill in tabletop wargaming that is that is let, let me rephrase. I think what the most fun skill to develop in tabletop wargaming is adapting to failed plans. I don't think yeah. it's like resource management and knowing all the models perfectly and knowing the matchup perfectly. In my ideal world, in my ideal tabletop game, it's one where you have layered plans and as they fail, you you go down to your you know your your plan B, C, D and um and that kind of adaptability is what's like actually fun in these types of games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like the jokers because of that. Um, but I think they are like a huge point where if you flip red on a damage on a, you know, double negative to damage that could completely explode a game. If you're, if you black on a summoning flip that completely explodes a game. Um, yeah. But I feel like at the same time, like it's not gonna like a one, like a, a red or black joker is not going to, win or lose you the game no like i don't think there's any game that is matchup that is so like close to like like a 50 50 matchup where one red joker is gonna like win you the game or one black joker is gonna lose you the game like if you if it was like a very so you somehow fell into a very bad matchup maybe that could tip the edge but where it's 50 50 if if you think like that one joker won or lost you a game, you probably weren't playing like the most efficiently. Definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, the game is, is still a skill game for sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the jokers um, break that. I just yeah. think when, when, when skill is even, I think the jokers are, are really relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I found is with kind of with like going through your multiple plans and adapting, like if you take your best plan, like your strongest plan might not always be your, like not your strongest, but like the, the play you can make that will have like the biggest impact if it works might not be the best. If it's like, if it transitions poorly into your other plans, like it could like your activation order, I guess. Like if going with this model first, if I kill this guy, it's really good. But if I go with this other model and do something and it fails before trying that, like I can I can transition into my next plan instead of like sometimes your plan it's I go with model A. If it doesn't work, then I go with model B. Sometimes it's like, well, I can go with model B and then do something else, and then if I can do model A, like it could change your order because you can kind of. I guess if you don't think about your activation order before the turn, you can kind of get yourself stuck down one path. Yeah. Where sometimes a different activation order could give you like more paths to branch off on based on, you know, what your opponent does. Because between every activate, there's two activations, you know, it's your activation, their activation. So. Yeah, dude, dude, I really like that idea. And it's not something I've I've been, I've thought about in, in that sort of way. But I think that's really smart. Can you just think like of, when we uh, played that game, the Titania versus Molly game? Oh, I was gonna say, can you think of a concrete example of that? That would be perfect. <laughs> Where we played every single possibility. Well, if I went with this and you went with this, then I would do this. So just on that last turn where we played it 
four ways and it was a tie or five ways and it was a tie every time. Yeah. And what you're saying here is like, um, you know, if we do this and then this and this and then this, uh, we get this result, but the, hmm. So like sometimes the best decision is not the, the greediest one maybe. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. Like if my beater goes to th- this model and kills it, you know, it'll put me really ahead. But if it fails, then I don't have like my other, I could have used, I moved did a different model, see what my opponent did or use a different model. Like, like in chess, you know, if I do this model, instead of them activating the model I want to kill, maybe they'll have to act, I can force them to do something else instead. And then, then still get the same result, like with on my next activation. Yeah. And I think there, uh, since we both played a decent amount of Jackdaw, I think there's Jackdaw is a, a really good example for this too, because, um, a lot of the times he could go, like he could activate turn one and you could spend three stones on three Rams uh, and kill that model guarantee, you know, hitting men four over and over and over. Uh, and that might be a really strong plan, but what were your other models doing, right? Cause if, if your other models were going to go and they were going to maybe top deck their triggers and force discards, maybe they were going to, um, you know, what's, what's the, um, the guilty had that bonus action that could, that can maybe force a discard stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe you go with those things, which are more conservative. And then, um, if all that pops off now, instead of stoning for Rams, you're stoning for crows and you're hitting execute on the first swing, you know, you're executing that model in one AP and then your plan transitions better because you're from there. You can like start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There are certain, certain activations that once you do them for that, like turn it kind of, you are like stuck on that plan because you did that activation. Yeah. Like you take away your other options on, you know, certain, when you activate certain models, you kind of, it's like, while I'm doing this and then, you know, so going all in on the first activation, especially like if you don't know your opponent's schemes and, you know, in turns three and four, especially if they haven't done anything on turn four, they have to, do something like they have to somehow show you what scheme they're doing or they're not going to score like both points probably. So would you say that if it's like an equal skill situation, uh, that the greedier plays are usually the wrong plays? I know it's like hard because you're on all the contacts. I know this infinite ways. The greed, if you're, if you're not far behind, I think the greedy, if you're like, there you go, equal on score. I think the greedy play could quite possibly lose you the game, or I could, or I could win you the game. I don't know. It's all about, I guess, assessing whether, you know, how impactful it is. Yeah, I think, um, I think you're spot on there because if you're behind, you kind of have to go for greedy plays. You kind of yeah, have to go just for gonna, lucky plays. Yeah, because if you're ahead, gonna, you need to go with conservative plays, right? You need to sure all your bets or whatever yeah Um, if you if you want to gain ground and gaining grounds (laughs) is that your new block yeah (laughs) gaining grounds and gaining grounds with jimmy (laughs) yeah dude i really like that idea i think um it's also like if you're the beat down versus control sort of situation you kind of have to go for greedier stuff if you're beating down because that's you know you're on a you're on a you're on a a timer uh, 
Yeah, yeah you're on a timer. Um, I've also called that kind of like disrespect plays in the past where it's like, you know, you're going to go for the thing that your opponent has more agency. Of. I guess they're kind of different. Going for something that your opponent has a little more agency over is 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 different than what we're talking about here. Because yeah, that's a little different. Like, that's like a disrespect play is like I don't know, like assuming your opponent is like not as good as you. I guess I feel like that's more like like trying yeah. to get away with something. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're kind of similar, but it's very like, different yeah. because we're talking about equal skill. Yeah, it's like of, hoping your opponent you do something and your opponent doesn't see the flaw in it. And it just gets them. I'm going to think about that more and see where I can apply it. Because I could definitely think of situations where I've, um, like the one time I played you with Jack Dog as your dreamer, I think that was a situation where I went for, what what are we calling it? We're, like the more explosive play or something, like the greedier play. Because yeah. it was a situation where... It was, yeah, I would say that was like a greedy play. Where it's like, I'm going all in with my master, and there's not a lot of thought given to what the rest of my crew is going to do that turn, because they're so far behind, and yeah, that they was didn't one really game. have anything to do. Yeah, I felt like your master was do- pulling a lot of work, or doing like being the most impactful, but the rest of the crew was kind of just like, walking around yeah they didn't really do anything at all it felt and, like uh, and then people, and dreamer uh, i don't think ever died was the other thing so it, yeah know. he got low in that no bonus actions aura just like milked me of so much efficiency that i just yeah, got yeah. in a fight that i didn't need to be in yeah uh, because it didn't score me points and stuff like that and exactly. people on the internet a lot of time talk about um i don't like this model because it doesn't keep up that is kind of true, but I also think that if it's not keeping up, there's a play mistake associated too. Yeah, you're you know? not. You're, you're like you have to look at game, like the pacing of your entire crew. I feel like, yeah, you can't have. And let me just so like so for the listener, let me describe what we're talking about. I'm going to describe the table state right. So it was Dreamer is like three inches be, uh, behind the center line. Jackdaw's in the center, uh, and then I have a crew full of minions that are, you know, one walk and a focus out of my deployment zone because they're playing conservative. They didn't want to get eaten by Chompy or give you um, summoning targets. And then first activation turn two, uh, Daw goes. He on your heels into Dreamer, punches him a couple of times. Oh, wait, no, he on your heels onto... Um, I think turn one you were Carver. in on me. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I, anyway, I, like, killed Carver first activation of turn two. Uh, but from that point, you could see that all of my, the rest of my models were back there. My biggest threat had already been delivered. I think I'd killed a model or had it on like, you know, one HP or something. Uh, it didn't really matter. Uh, yeah, but I think from Carver, that point, you Carver could was see, on two HP, I believe. Yeah. From that point, you, you had all the power in terms of, uh, my models being way back there. So you could just dirtle around and force me to activate and do again another turn of nothing because they were too far behind uh so when you got to activate your important activations at the end of the turn uh they were against my models that had already gone and like had done nothing that turn yeah 
because my I'm, I moved everything up very quickly, and that's how you got in on Dreamer. But the rest of my army was there with it. Yeah, my crew. So I remember it ended up being like you you would move your guys up to attack once, and then I would activate and get like two attacks off because mm-hmm. I was already there. And that's an example of, um, and I, I basically described this because what I could say at that point was my crew is all move four. It's too slow. It doesn't keep up. But that would be an incorrect assessment because what it actually was, was I did a greedy thing and didn't think about how the rest of my turn would play out past my, you know, my, uh, my haymaker punch at the beginning of the turn right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I would have activated those dirtles and even if they did nothing, they would have, um, I would have had more meaningful act like options later in the turn. Yeah. <laughs> what was we talking about? <laughs> uh, so I think, I think that was a really cool aside, but I think, I think it is also describes like, um, a type of play that, is it's not so much like the tiebreakers like I was going for, but I think it was it was really I guess it is though. It is kind of like those kind of first activations can make and break close games, right? I mean, yeah. I feel like if you really wanted to, you could you could determine after every single activation how far ahead or behind that put you based on your performance on that activation. Definitely. If, you, if you really wanted to get crazy about it. So, so the uh, other question I was thinking, um, so going into a matchup, right? We have three phases. We have faction declaration, we have master declaration, and then we have list building. And all of those are also kind of coin flips. Obviously, it's not a coin flip what faction you're playing, right? But it's a coin yeah. flip what factions you play against going into a tournament. So... Those are kind of tiebreakers, right? If you if you get into a faction in a pool that you didn't that you weren't prepared for, uh, then that's a little bit of a coin flip thing. Even at, even if you and your opponent are equal skill, yeah. Um, I don't even know if is there for lack of experience. Uh, I don't know if are there factions that people play and they verse a certain other faction and they are at a disadvantage just on faction versus faction. Uh, people will say yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'm sure people will say yes. people will yeah. say yes. Um, I don't think it's... Well, this, the the iterative process makes it where it's not like that, you know? Because you are doing faction, you are doing master, you are doing lists, and it's all in the in the arena of the pool. Yeah. Um, it, makes the, it makes those things a, a lot less... Um, yeah because at at what point you know no one's gonna pick the list that beats your faction to table you like if it's not gonna perform well in the pool yeah i might (laughs) (laughs) like i will declare levy into any arcanist just because i can probably table you like uh (laughs) but uh but that's but that's not plan a usually that's like i got this pool uh and i got this crew that's really good into it and then, oh, I got this faction. Oh, I got this master, you know, something like that. But um, my point in bringing this up is, wh- what do you think is... So all of these are kind of coin flips to determine who might win given equal skill, but do you think one of those um, 
those steps is more impactful than the others? I think master selection. Probably, yeah. Probably the, the toughest where you can really see a big swing in your how far from a 50-50 this game is going to be. I, I, I 100% agree. That was what I was fishing for. Because um, I, 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 that's definitely the point where I go oof the most, you know? Uh, yeah. It's hard. I, to, it's you don't know every opponent and what what they're strong with, what they're weak with in their faction. So like, you could think, oh, someone who knows Rezzers perfectly is a master at every single master. In this pool, they would pick this against this faction. But what if maybe they don't even have the models? You know, yeah. maybe they just never played it before, and then you get this weird thing where they pick something that you didn't expect. Yeah, I um, had a situation of that at the NCGT because it was um, it was an obvious levy pool, but I was uh, my opponent was a Ten Thunders player, and this is when Shinlong was unnerfed, and he was like the obvious counter to levy. And I saw my opponent's tray, and then I go over to my friends, and I'm like, uh, "He doesn't have Shinlong. Should I like pretend he does when declaring master?" Because I wouldn't declare Levy if I knew he was going to drop Shinlong. But now that I don't know, now that I know he has, he doesn't have Shinlong. Like, is that unsportsman or whatever like that? And I think I put a little too much thought into it because, like, it, like you said, you, you you wouldn't know. Like, yeah, my at, opponent. At the tournaments, I keep all my models in my pockets of my cargo <laughs> pants. <laughs> you just and, got like some big ass camo cargo shorts. Yeah, <laughs> tactical wear. <laughs> You're wearing one of those um what is it, uh cookie monster flat brims? <laughs> you just look like <laughs> you looking like a 14 year old. <laughs> <laughs> you got Beyblades in the other pocket. <laughs> exactly. Uh shit. What was my point? So uh, anyway, my point was that um my opponent, you know, didn't declare Shinlong, but they declared Mei Fang, and that ended up being better, I think, for the board and the pool anyway. So I was, I was like thinking too much about it uh, when I should have just went with my gut and just went, you know, I, I thought a little too much into the the, the the chess play back and forth, and I think I should have just what went did, with what I thought was best for the pool. What did you play? I played Parker, uh. Uh, which was my theoretical, like, if if I know Shin Long is coming, I had, I had like dojo this list in with parker that could get lucky into uh shinlong at the point uh i he was like the oh, op bitch i think that's the right thing to do yeah it makes more sense because you're not always going to have that information i guess yeah like someone like when i was playing at one tournament i played at i just kept everything in my box or whatever bag whatever i had at the time yeah nobody knew like what i had it's like in Magic, like when you sit down, sit down across the table from somebody for game one, and you play, and you have to decide whether you keep your opening hand. You don't know what deck they're playing. You have no idea until they play something that reveals it. Huh. Yeah. And and I mean, like, the point is to improve, right? The point is to yeah. not beat the person you're playing, at least for me. It's to, like, become better at the game. Exactly, yeah. Get better at the process. One thing I think um, that the wider Malifaux community doesn't talk about is like how uh, how important list building can be in terms of the coin flippy stuff. 
because I think we do we do focus on the master matchups a bunch, but list list writing can be like so important in this game. Yeah, and I I don't think it gets any conversation because it is so hard to talk about. Like I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, are there any good examples of like counters to counters and stuff like that? And it is it's so deep that it's hard to like talk about, especially in like these reductionist sort of <laughs> Facebook posts that where most of the conversation occurs. Um, but I think that's something that is definitely one of those points where you can win or lose a close game based off of hiring choices. Like, that's, um, that's like why I like Pandora so much ever since I played her last. I think she is so, so good at dealing with like everything we're talking about right now. Dude, you gotta, you gotta listen to our recency bias episode we did last, last freaking week or whatever. No, the more and more I, 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 like the the tools in her keyword are very good yeah. in GG1. I uh, like lure like all even just thinking about last turn like last turn if turn five activation order you have one you can control which activations happen. Not even not even considering that because that's crazy. You, you have Iggy who can remove a ski marker from across the board, so you can like. You know, you have the option to if you don't if you're not scoring something on your last activation, you have the option to like deny something. You have lures, maybe two if both of the models that I usually run are alive. And then you have yeah, it's like you can you can get you can easily like go to engage something or pull something to you, pull something away to deny a point. You can remove a scheme marker. I think all those are great tools. Yeah, I think when uh, GG one first came out, one of my uh hot take sort of conclusions was that neighbor neverborn got better just on the existence of the doppelganger and how good she is in the current packet. Uh, and she's versatile, uh, both in, in her description in the game and how she plays out in the game. So I think there's something there for sure. That Pandora shit forcing activations was, I mean, like it won the game, like for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can't be sort of, understated like how important that kind of tricky thing can be when uh it's the difference between one in a close game right yeah and that's what we're talking about like we're not it's so easy to talk about things that stop it is so hard to put into words uh how important like the opportunity costs of certain abilities are when they're going to win you the close game and that's exactly what that pandora ability is to force a model to activate an LOS. Like, yeah. The only thing that made it a little more powerful in that game than average is because you were playing uh, Somer. Yeah. But I you, mean, because you had Bayou Gremlins and stuff. So I, I want to try it again where, you know, where I'm choosing, you can't activate this guy and you have to activate something a little more impactful than like a two point summon. Yeah. I mean, I definitely let you live the dream, but it still won the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like Summer is is insanely powerful because he is such an efficiency monster, and that's like what a lot of people are going to gravitate towards because it's easy to see the overt power in something that just cranks out constant AP throughout the course of the game and constant value with the cards. There's just so much value in everything he's doing that it's so overtly powerful. But if you can keep the game close, sometimes that tricky shit is what actually wins the game. So I don't know. I think we've described uh, uh, some of the some of the points, and I would like to hear from like the Discord and stuff if you could think of other like points where they swing. 
Um, but from that point, what do you think, um, how much thought do you think we should be putting into those swing points when we declare masters and when we write our lists, like, do you think it's important? I mean, or do you think like the master matchups are more important or like, I don't know. What are you thinking? Well, I guess you have to weigh the matchup and the masters and you have to, but you also have to think about how effective you're, you can do your score, your points and how, I guess, how effective your opponent can score their points. Wait, let's, I, I, so let's it's hard to step put, back. It's hard to put them in order. I'm trying yeah. to think of the order. I guess... Well, I let's would take almost, a step back right okay. quick. Let's, so uh, we described like four or five like swing points. Um, so let's describe a few ways where you can mitigate those, right? So the first one we talked about was turn five activation, uh, the last activation mattering. So the ways you mitigate that is you... You bring pass tokens, you bring uh, other activation control elements like the Pandora one we were talking about. Um, you bring, you know, ways to force activations, I guess. Uh, I guess like pass tokens is the biggest one, right? Yeah. Um, so like your Ma Tucket. I've been thinking about her a lot just because she has on, if she cheats a ram for her initiative, she gets two pass tokens just straight away. I'm like, in GG1, that will just win a game. Uh, just getting two pass tokens for almost nothing uh, on turn five. Yeah, you can just discard whatever nothing Copy card ram or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter if you have two pass tokens. It doesn't matter who wins the initiative. Uh, yeah. So the other way to mitigate it is to get extra to initiative. Um, like plus flips to initiative uh, are cool, but they're more of like an efficiency thing throughout the game. But like plus value to initiative, like with ancient pack. Uh, stuff like that is hugely impactful because yeah. if both players know that the the initiative flip is the most important flip that's going to happen that turn, everyone's going to throw their highest card at it. Which is maybe another another reason why I never born and GG one's pretty dope because they can bring two of those ancient packs. I, I um, still am not sold on the upgrades ever yeah. since uh, Inhuman Reflexes got nerfed. It was pretty good. So. Uh, the other the other flip side of that is uh, the plus two initiatives also matter when uh, the turn three initiative flip or the turn two initiative flip can be the most important tiebreaker uh, in the game. So again, your ancient packs and your who else gives like plus value to initiative? Um, but I guess generating pass tokens also does that too. So it's weird that those are like some of the only solutions we're coming up to for all of the tiebreakers. Um, but the other one I mentioned is uh, jokers, right? So anything that mitigates your blacks, uh, that's also uh, can be sort of tiebreaker abilities, right? So the hanged, turning black jokers into red jokers, that uh, upgrade in also Neverborn. Why is everything in Neverborn? Um, that turns oh, black into uh, a reflip. Avoid doom or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that's something you... That that's definitely on the scale, right? Because like, two would pass not, tokens. I would not wins. ever take that. Yeah, I don't think ever because it's just like that's like you're like, I don't know. I don't think a black Joker is gonna end the game yeah. for me. So I'm not gonna spend two points for to ignore a black Joker if it comes up on one specific model. Yeah, that that one's definitely on a scale, right? Because uh, 
it has to just be on it's black only on that model yeah, uh, I think it's very bad. That's not going to change much, but it is, it is on an upgrade that gives better stuff than the thing it's actually giving. Um, it gives the blade rush or whatever, I believe, whatever. doesn't matter. But um, if you're playing a summoner, it makes sense to bring that upgrade on like dreamer or something. Um, no. Because a black can lose you a game sometimes on a summoning flip. Can it? Yeah. I don't know. One. If happens twice, I think so. maybe. But is it worth two points to negate that chance? I don't know. That's what we're talking about, right? I don't think so, personally. I think that it can if uh, in like a finals game or something. But it does also, the it's the same that one is, that gives the plus one to initiative. I will say that. Oh, is but, it? But it has to be on a minion to get Nefarious Pact, which is the draw yeah. card. So that kind of makes it, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't do it for me. Yeah. It is weird that they're both on Ancient Pack. You know, um, now that I'm thinking about Inhuman Reflexes, I'm not as mad at it about it as I was before. Wait, so Ancient Pack has both the Black Joker thing and the Plus 2 initiative? Yeah. Wow. It's crazy that that one upgrade is kind of covering everything we're talking about here. I still think it's bad. <laughs> Andre plays two Ancient Pack in like every list he plays. If I think it has to be on a minion, like for it to be worth it, and I guess I haven't played a game where I have played minions that I want to really beef up yet. I was saying, I'm like just not that. playing the right crew. I think he was running, he was running ancient pack on like Titania and something else that wouldn't die, even though he had minions in the crew, which was interesting. But uh, I, I can know. see it maybe in Titania if you have. Like, the Autumn Knights are pretty hard to kill, I feel like. Yeah, that's what I did in the game we played. I had two engine packs, each on an Autumn Knight, and it was okay, I guess. It's four um, points, though. Andre's probably, like, the better, probably the best player in the States right now, for sure, because he's been playing the most Vassal and the most GG1 as a res- result. So maybe he's already arrived at these conclusions that we've we're you know drawing here that yeah. that mitigating those sort of errors in like close games is like worth the four stones and what was the other thing we talked about i guess like master declaration and like being risky there if you're ever like changing your list or thinking about these sort of like swing points what you're trying to do is give yourself like space to get lucky right um you will mitigate the ability for your opponent to get lucky is the better way of saying it and winning that sort of 50-50. So I do think that maybe going into like close matchups and stuff like that, and going into Master Declaration, which is where we thought about it being sort of the most coin flippy, that maybe if I'm playing in the finals, I do want to think about bringing Masters that will mitigate my opponent's likelihood of getting into a good matchup. Like, for example, if you know their faction really well, you're going to bring one of three Masters, one has a 60-40 against your opponent. One has a 50-50 against y- your opponent. And then one has like... All right, let me rephrase that. So one, one of your masters has a 50-50 against one of their masters, a 60-40 in your favor against one of their masters, and then an 80-20 in their favor against the other one. And then you have another... The other master you're going to bring is 50-50 across the board. Is that, yeah, yeah. Is that like what... You think you go for the second one? 
I I probably would. Yeah, because then you're mitigating your opponent's and chance to get lucky. Maybe that's a point where maybe the upgrades come in. I never I haven't been put in a situation like that in any of our games yet, where I'm like, an upgrade is gonna. I don't know. Either I don't know a matchup well enough, maybe to realize how good the upgrade is, or. Well, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, we're we're just talking yeah. complete general right here, you know. I think uh, I think if it's like you think it's gonna be close, then maybe you take the 50-50s across the board, and then so. you look for other places for strength. Especially if you don't know their, the other players' like skill level of all their masters, I guess, because they could pick something. Even if it's unlikely, they could pick a certain master just because they feel like they're good at it. Yeah. And it could, you know, you could get hit with that 80-20 uphill climb you have because just because they like that master, I guess. Even if it's maybe their third best choice for the pool and into your faction. Now that I'm saying this out loud, I feel like I'm the kind of person who would take the the swingy master declaration, though. I would take the 60-40, 50-50, just because, I don't know, I feel like if I know... I'm ahead at master declaration. I know how to play from a meta standpoint. And if I'm behind at master declaration, I also know how to play, you know, I need to do the risky shit. I need to get, try to get lucky elsewhere. That's, that's some war machine mentality. I think it really is because I've been playing, you know, list chicken for six, you know, seven years, however long I've been playing that game. Yeah. Uh, Assassination is always on the table. Yeah, it, it, you really pegged me there. That, that is some War Machine mentality shit, now that I say it out loud. It's like building building for my strengths, and if I'm in a weak point, I just, you know... Go for it. Play for the scoop. Play for the winner scoop, you know? So how important do we think these things are in terms of considering... I don't know, going to... This is Not definitely like an intermediate to expert level, like... You know, we've done some like beginner level topics. I think this is definitely an expert topic. I, f- um, I think, pro- personally, the first thing I would look at is look at all my masters and my faction and say which 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 one is Pandora? Which one? <laughs> which one is which one's Pandora? Okay, so <laughs> the lady with the little box. Yep, that's her. Um, the little the other little one. That's Candy. Yep. Okay, I'm ready. No, I would pick, look at what masters are, um, probably try to narrow it. Well, I guess keep it as open as possible, but just knocking out the ones like, like they cannot perform in this pool. Not even look, doesn't even matter what my opponent's faction is probably like, cause it's just the mass all between all the different masters, like their crew could probably, you know, do anything. Every faction's pretty versatile with all their choices. So knock all those out. Anything that is not going to score me my points. Next, I'd probably think try to think what it's hard because this takes a lot of knowledge i guess on your opponent's faction think what in their faction is you know what will they likely pick and then i think i see where you're going here so i maybe like remove what you know what what will they likely pick is there anything in my pool that i've narrowed down that cannot deal with any of those if so goodbye the next i guess how what like what my opponent's schemes what are they gonna pick do any of these crews that i pick have a way to like easily deny certain schemes or even the strat i guess even the strat yeah i okay so i I think i see where you're going so let me see if i can sort of summarize so i think what you're saying is 
most important always when you play Malfo is that you're bringing the crew for the pool. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, you are playing after master declaration. You are playing the crew uh, that is best suited or even during master declaration. And after you're playing the crew that's best suited uh, for the matchup after the pool. Uh, then third, you're playing, you're looking at what your opponent's going to score and you're playing for denial in terms of priority. That's number th- three. And then like fourth terrain somewhere in there, who cares? Uh, and then fourth. Yeah, it could be le- yeah, so- level is, uh, is how do you mitigate mi- basically what we're talking about now? So like, how do you mitigate sort of these things that are going to lose you the game? If, uh, if attrition and your initial plans and, and if everything falls apart, how are you mitigating uh, like the biggest disasters, I guess? Yeah. I would say terrain falls somewhere in when you're, when you, I say when looking at the pool, you're also, it's the objectives and the board you have to play it on. So if there's like something blatant that's like, this is going to be really bad for this crew, then like that's, I think, where it gets the boot. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like in the first phase. It's almost yeah, a master you, declaration. Yeah. You don't want to fight the board. You want to fight your opponent. It's like the uh, terrain is mixed into the pool. It's like your yeah, very it's first part of the pool. It's, it's, yeah. It's the where to the uh, whatever the game. And the pool's the what. I think there's a pretty decent button on this topic. Uh, I think that, I don't know, I have I definitely have a lot to think about just on what you were talking about with the activation stuff. So hopefully we at least landed on some stuff that people can think about. Yeah. You have anything else you want to chat about or gush about Pandora more or something? Yeah, she's... she's Are you going to get her witch crew that's coming the out? Best. Probably not. I already have the Pandora crew. I might get it. I don't. I, don't I, I have so much Neverborn that uh, it's just been sort of accumulating. Uh, so I might get that Pandora crew. I do like Neverborn a lot, but I also want to play. I'm torn now. I can't decide what I want to play. I guess I don't really have to decide. I can just go back and forth until there's yeah. an event, True. whatever that may be. And, and it's kind of upsetting. Like you, you took like a big dive into Rezzers, and then it was almost at like a bad point because all the releases that you need got pushed. I know. Because of COVID, right? Yeah. Like, you don't have the Von... You got the Von Stuck box, but not the extra stuff. And you got some Karai stuff, but you don't have the Karai box and all that kind of junk. But I think almost everything for Neverborn's out, right? Pretty much. All right. Everything I'd want, at least. They still don't have... What's her name? I don't even know her name. The Master I don't really like. Nephilim Master. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Nakima. All of her stuff is definitely not in stock. You can't get her uh, anywhere. Yeah, I guess that's the exclusion. Not that I, re- I don't know. I guess I don't even I, think we've seen her new box, box or anything. No. Her, they just have an alter, alternate or... sculpt, and that's it. I think. I wonder why they released an alternate sculpt when there's no totem yet. Well, the, that alternate sculpt is old as shit. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh. It's just in a fancy box. All right, man. Uh, come join play, us on the Discord. It'll be in the. Come the, play Northgard with me. No, on, on Steam. Yeah, and play Fall Guys with us. And too. Fall Guys. Yeah. Hit us up. Later. Huh? What are you doing in my swamp? Um, That's how I blew my back out. One day that'll be solved. <laughs> and I went and I pulled the bag out and I got like three quarters of the way up and my back just like completely seized. What was in your trash can?
Nothing. It's just old man shit. It's like marshmallows. No, it's it, the times I herniate myself. It's always completely random. It's like you know what? That's true. The one time I really hurt my lower back, I was just walking and I dropped something and I went really quick to like just scoop it off the ground. Yeah, it was something. It was like a pencil or something or a pen, like something stupid. It's always about the angle or something like that. Usually. The first time I did it, I was charging a Satixis Raider across the board playing War Machine. Hell it was yeah. the first time I herniated my back. <laughs> Fucking so pathetic <laughs> to have sports-related injuries with, with mini war game. You're a veteran now. Yeah. Did you uh, play more Fall Guys last night? A little bit. I played like one or two games. Did you win? No, not even close. I will never win that game, that's for sure. The second game I played, I was doing so well, and then I got screwed. Yeah. And there's that one guy cheating. I saw another guy cheating. Really? What he, yeah, he's like floating around. Well, like half the of the air. game is like trolling, I feel like, anyway. So it kind of makes sense that people cheat at it. That's stupid. And it's so, popu- it's so popular with streamers right now. Whenever a game is popular with streamers, there's people on it just like trying to get e-famous for griefing. Well, not even famous. They just want to grief on a stream. Yeah. This dude just cheating and he lost. That's, how do you do that? It was the soccer ball one. <laughs> and his team was so trash. <laughs> Even though he was like imagine? he was like floating around pushing the ball. Like he could hit it in midair. Like he, the Good ball would bounce up and he'd hit it. And his team, he scored one goal. And the other team scored like eight goals. That's crazy. <laughs> I get frustrated when my, when my team sucks. Like, imagine how frustrated he was. I love it. I saw the Guys, one that uh, Eric was talking about with the where you jump over the thing. It's like the spinny thing, and the the platforms fall off as it oh. goes. It's a showdown one. Oh, so it's the last one. It's, if it's that one is the last one, then it does it that way. And there's two. It's like up. The the pole is the small pole is the diameter, so it's not just the radius. So there's two. You have to jump over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my least favorite game is that rollout one. Where... Welcome to the Fall Guys Paul podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think my least favorite is the roll one because, like, no one gets out and you're just waiting for people to do something stupid. Uh, so guy grabbed be, like, me precise. and and took me out. Yeah, and then I was expecting him. He took out like four people by grabbing them and yanking them off. That's crazy. He's an animal. I, I don't know how you throw. I get how you grab them. I don't know how. I've seen people throw them kind of like decently. I don't know how you do that though. There must be some sort of like way you move your stick. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I saw one um, game where these people were grabbing each other and they were like fighting right at the end, and they're the only two left. Have you seen, you probably haven't seen that Alex Jones meme, have you? Fall Guys meme? No. <laughs> it's that clip where he's like chasing that guy in Austin. And he's like, come here, you globalist. <laughs> he's like chasing <laughs> it, chasing it through the streets. But it's a, it's a, a, a guy at the end of, <laughs> end of the finish line of Fall, fall Guys. <laughs> he's just like waiting at the finish line to be the last one to check in uh, before everyone gets disqualified. It's like Alex Jones, like, come here, you globalist. While he just crosses the, the finish line, <laughs> disqualified. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, I, I saw like one video where somebody threw a dude off, like at the finish line, threw a guy off the ledge. I don't, I don't know how you do that. It must be something with like how they're moving versus like how you move. 
Yeah. Like you can fling them if they try to like go around you or something. Maybe if you both pull in the same direction. Yeah. Something like that. I think it has to be something like that. Cause that's what I saw. The guys were fighting and they were going and going at it. And then eventually like he was holding him in place and the guy tried to go around him and he was somehow able to like push him back. Jeez. And then the guy who, sh- the guy who sh- they were f- struggling and they did a 180. And then the guy that was initially like, wouldn't have gotten if the guy just crossed the line got it was able to spin around and get past him and get in all right you want to talk some alpha then no 